Welcome to the I Am Unbreakable podcast, where the struggle is part of the story. Real, unconventional, unconventional. And here's your host, Adrian. Thank you for joining us on the I Am Unbreakable podcast. Today, we have a rock star woman, female entrepreneur, trailblazer. She's one of my heroes, Adriana Monique Alavares. Welcome. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Thank you. And did I pronounce your last name correctly? It's okay. I, no, I, I want to know because I keep, I want to say Alavares. Can you just say it for me I, again? I, I love it. So it's Alvarez, but you know, I think I need to change Al- it to your version. Alvarez. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. So you are currently in your, I have so many questions to ask you. So I'm just jumping right in. Let's you are it. currently in Colorado. Yes. You are in your grandma's or grandparents' home. Can yes. you tell us a little bit about how you ended up there? Yes, absolutely. So I was born and raised here. Both sides of my family have been here for four or five generations. And when I turned 18, I was ready to leave. I wanted to figure out who I was outside the small town, my family, and my church. And so I left. And when 2020 hit, we were wrapping up our fifth year of traveling full-time as a family, my husband, myself, and my two boys. We were living down in Mexico, right on the border of Mexico and Belize, and the world shifted and changed and it became apparent we weren't going to be able to jump on a plane anytime we wanted. And my dad and mom would call me every single day and they would say, come home. And the problem with that was coming home was my definition of failure. This was the thing I thought I had to graduate from and I had to become better than and bigger than. But they're persistent. (laughs) <laughs> They're persistent. And so they called every single day. And one day I I asked my dad, okay, dad, well, you know, if I did come, if we did come, where would we even live? It's very hard to find a place to live around here. We, we live literally in the middle of nowhere. And he said, why don't you go to grandma's house? And my grandma had passed away a few years earlier. The house was just sitting empty. No one else could take care of it. And so we rented a car. We drove four days all the way through Mexico and to Colorado. And here we are. And here you are. That is such an amazing story. Because I mean, a lot of young people watch our podcast. And, you know, you and I are both mothers of uh, amazing young men, uh, and boys. And, you know, people always, I think young people feel that they need to leave, you know, to make their mark in the world. And like you said, it's sort of, you know, to cut yourself from your birth family so to speak and and to say you know I can I can do this on my own and the reality of it is of course you can but I think now even how the world has shifted but even prior and myself being European we're all about family but I was the same I was like I want to get out of here you know make my own rules do my own thing and then shortly after that you know the whole glitz and glitter of all that wears off right and then there's bills and then there's life and and whatnot and and I think you being close to your family especially in this time did that help you as a mother and as an entrepreneur um, to have that family support, say, for your boys, yourself, and your husband? Mm, that's a good question. At first, no, because I wasn't open to it. It took, I was here 
uh, probably two solid years before I was here because internally I was not yet here. I didn't want to be here. I didn't like the changes that happened in the world. Travel has always been my passion, my joy. I traveled solo um, all of my 20s. I traveled with my husband, traveled with my kids. And so I was grieving the loss of my life as I knew it. And so I was having a hard time being present with the opportunities, the joys, the benefits of being here. And I would say last year I started turning the corner and then it was just after Christmas, uh, my dad got sick and I had this time that I just took to be away from the business with Derek, the boys, my parents. And it was really when I saw what was right in front of me. My boys are eight and nine. My parents are 65. And what I realized is the next 10 years is a really key window. It's the time, the chunk of time that I have with my boys in this season. And then, you know, who knows what they might decide to do. My parents, they're still very, you know, healthy and vibrant. And, and your dad is okay now? He's he's much better now. Yes, he's, good, good. he's back. And I just realized this family has, my, my parents definitely played such a huge role in my life. My own family has been so important to me. I wanted to create a life that we could be together. My husband and I have worked together every single day of our marriage. We have raised our kids together. My boys have never went to school. Like we are a family unit. We have done everything together for, you know, my husband and I for almost 16 years, you know? We have such so many things in common, but anyways, go on. Same, same with me. And most people are like, Oh, don't you get sick of him? Doesn't he piss you off? And I'm like, yes, of course, but no different than any other, let's say coworker, partner or friend would. Right. And yeah. I love the fact that, you know, exactly what you were creating with Derek, if you don't mind me saying his name it is the exact same thing. It's almost like that you were running away from, but then it came on you that this, you know, it's not just the four of us. It's maybe the six of us or the 26 of us. Right. Yes, and it's sometimes, thank goodness. It was that, that's why I was going to say, what was the moment? And it sounds like sort of when you heard your dad was sick, you know, people always take that time and thank goodness that he's better. Right. Uh, or yes. doing better is uh, they take that time to reflect and say, wow, I really need to cherish every day and every moment because honestly, you blink and people would tell me this as I got older, not being 29 and a half anymore. <laughs> and I wouldn't really believe them. I'm like, ah, I got lots of time. And sure enough, I blink and I've got, you know, four boys that, you know, they're still, some of them are still young, but they're taller than me. And I, I'm pretty tall. And they're matured. And it's like, we had, like, to your point, we had and continue to have such amazing moments together, but it is those moments, right? And when you talk to people, and I know you speak to many, which I am going to address in a moment, um, that are, say, pat, ready to pass through on the other side, they never say, oh, geez, I wish I had another million dollars in my bank account, or I wish I was at the office more. It was always, I wish I had more time with my family or loved ones. And how beautiful is it that, you know, people like yourself and definitely me have, are able to live that before it's yes. too late. That's beautiful. I love that message. Thank you so much for sharing and bringing out the fact that sometimes it takes you to leave to and come back to know, right? 
It, it's true. And you know what I realized is all of the things that I really craved when I was 16, 17, 18, you know, 22, um, I had done. I didn't, I didn't have to be stuck there. I didn't have to still be living my 21 year old self. It's like, it's so easy to get trapped. And that's really what I learned in the last few months is that there are seasons in life. And the most important thing is to be with the season that is upon us. And I had the season of going and figuring out who I was and what I was made of on my own. And it's a different season. Now it's a season for me to create experiences that bring my parents and my kids together where the whole family is is together. It's a and it's a time for me to, hey, the business is established. Let me let other people do their job and I'll hold the bigger vision. And I love nothing more than cooking three meals a day and taking them sledding, you know? And that's what I'm really seeing is, is I had to grieve what was finished, but then I also had to see every season has its own gifts. Oh, I love that. I, I think you need a t-shirt. Every season have, <laughs> has its own gifts. I absolutely love that. Let's touch base very quickly on the amazing journey that you uh, have taken sort of to where you are today with your publishing company, very successful publishing company. Can you share a little bit about that as well as being a female entrepreneur and getting into publishing? That's amazing. Absolutely. Thank you. Yes. My husband and I, we start, basically we started a business in 2009 because I was unwilling to get married and him go to a job. I go to a job. We come home, we have dinner, we watch a show, we go to bed and that's our life. And so we put our heads together. We created a business at a time where everyone else was thinking, what are you doing? Because here the real estate market had crashed. Everything was in the dumps with the economy. Yes. But we just knew what we wanted. We wanted to work together. We wanted to travel together. We wanted a different kind of lifestyle than the typical American dream. And so initially we were doing uh, websites and social media for people who, that wasn't easy for them. Most of our clients were baby boomers who had brick and mortars and they just didn't know how to integrate technology into their business. And you and saw was, that hole and that niche and you went after that. Absolutely. You know, Love I was it. in the chamber every Tuesday, BNI every Thursday, and I just saw that they didn't know what to do with that. And then it had to shift when I had two babies in 12 months. I had my boys back to back. God bless. <laughs> and, I know that feeling. You know that feeling? <laughs> and I thought, okay, I have to do business differently. My boys inspired me to be much more efficient and much smarter about what I did. And so then we started offering our services differently. And we expanded. We came online. And we left the country when the boys were babies. And... I, the only thing that I knew to do when I transitioned from offline and in-person to coming on social media, the only thing that I knew to do was to tell stories about my life. I shared about our travels. I shared about being a working mom and, you know, working with my husband and all, all of the facets. I just told those stories online and I found which that. Is so, which is still so important to this day, because if you think about prior to internet, that's all people had. They would sit around their campfire or dinner or whatever they would do, and they would share stories. And that's how people learned. So never stop sharing your stories because I absolutely love them. And I know other people are very gravitated towards that. So thank you. So you're at your storytelling now stage in your yeah. career. And then 
um, it went from not having any idea how to get clients on social media to us having hundreds of clients at a time. And so then what happened is people just naturally said, hey, you know, how did, how did that happen? How, how, how can I tell my story? How can I use storytelling to grow my business and to find my people? And then people started asking, hey, would you help me publish my story? And at first I said, no, we don't yeah. do that. I don't know how to do that. You know, yeah. that's not what I do. And then they just got really, in, they insisted, you know, they said, you know, we've looked at traditional publishing. It's not what we want. I want to work with someone who already knows me, my business. They, they have a feel for me. So we started doing research. And that's when I learned that there's so few female-owned publishing houses. In fact, it used to be illegal for women to own a publishing house, even in the United States and Europe. And so I started digging in and I, once again, I found the gaps in publishing. I found where they were um, not providing what my people wanted. And so we decided to create a division, a publishing house division. We had hundreds at that time, I want to say maybe 500 clients in our coaching programs, <clears throat> storytelling programs, but it just felt like it was time. And in the first year we worked with 125 authors and I knew we were onto something. Absolutely. And so we just kept expanding it out. Now publishing is all we do. I and love we, that. I we love that. Over a thousand entrepreneurs. And we just found that entrepreneurs are different than authors. And storytelling is like telling your real life story is different than fiction. And we found that just bringing in our point of view as both entrepreneurs, women, storytellers, that it gives us a different slant and it helps people really be able to find their people, but also to be more than just the face of the business, but actually bring their heart and soul to everything that they do. Oh, and that is so important. I feel that in this day and age, but even prior to COVID, now, obviously, COVID's changed businesses and shifted who people want to do business with, and they want to know the face behind companies. And you have to have somebody that's very relatable you know you can have a beautiful photo and you know your wonderful bio that's been written by you know a famous writer but to come on and talk about hard truths and your struggles and your successes and you know I always say your dirt road to success because for me any female entrepreneur or entrepreneur otherwise is uh there's no clean road there's always a dirt road and there's obstacles and there's mountains and potholes and that is part of your story oddly I have it you know tattooed on one of my arms that the struggle is part of the story and it really is and you have made a business of telling other people's stories and how beautiful is that because the wealth of knowledge you know when I go into any kind of coaching session or meeting for private investigation, people are like, what university did you go to? And what, and I'm like, you know, I graduated high school and it is life's experience, right? You, oh, I think we were separated at birth. I never went, we I know, I never went to college. <laughs> well, we're going to have to tell the audience in a second, how many things we actually have in common, but you know, the, the wealth of knowledge that you get, if you just listen to people and for me, it was always about listening to my clients and sharing their often very hard and difficult, painful truths. And to see the grace and the beauty and the strength 
that people took to get through that. It just, it, I, I feel so incredibly honored on a daily basis. And I'm sure you feel the same way when people share these things with you, because people hold them very close to their chest. They don't want to share mm -hmm. their secrets or they don't want to know anybody to know, like, you know, you've got so many filters um, on social media um, and people aren't coming out and telling their truth. Why not? Mm -hmm. It's, it's what yeah. people relate to. And you, it, you, it you've captured that you've captured that. Tell us about the amazing books. Like you've captured all of that. I'm, I can't even go into how many you, I think you did two, just even last uh, two book launches last week. If yeah. I'm two correct. book launches last week. That's right. Yeah. We, um, we have expanded very quickly. Um, we've taught hundreds of people around the world how to start their own publishing house. We published tons and tons of books. I think just by the end of March, we will have done um, six or eight more. So what we have found is that once, you, you know how it is, once the word gets out, once people realize and start referring and introducing, you know, it expands very quickly. And my husband is very good at systems and teams. And so it allows us to be able to take care of a lot of authors at the same time without them becoming a number, without them just sort of being in, in a system and, and it being impersonal. I love that. And something I've got to touch base on. So you and I have so many similarities where both, uh, you know, obviously female entrepreneurs, mothers, we both drive rockstar Ford trucks. And, <laughs> That's right. And one of the questions I always get asked is, well, you know, how do you do it? And my answer always, you know, I, I'm stumbled. That's the one question that I cannot give you, you know, tip. I could give you a bunch of tips, a bunch of tricks and trades. But my answer is, I just do it. You know, if you really look at what you did, if you look back in your life, Adriana, for sure, you're going to say, how the hell did I do that? Right. And raising two very young children, very close back to back. And you're a fantastic mother, an amazing wife. And I, I know for a fact, a good friend uh, and daughter, et cetera, et cetera. But you just did it. And, you know, now you're, you know, kind of like you said about the different seasons, you're in, I feel that maybe that stage of your life where you're sharing with others how, and others are sharing how they did it because they want to up, uplift other people. Long gone is the day that we're all in competition with each other, right? It's more of, let me help. Let me see how I can do it. And that is so admirable, such an awesome quality about one of the many qualities about you. But I want to ask you about your relationship with Derek, if I may. Mm. Yes. We talked, we talked earlier. We both work with our husbands since I got married. Same thing. We do everything together, opened up the business together, work together every single day. And, you know, people have different perspectives on that. You know, oh, should you really be spending that much time together? And, oh, you know, is it this? Is it that? And I always say that it takes such an amazing uh, partner, husband, whatever you would like to, you know, refer to your loved one to support a rock star woman like you. And he must have so much love and admiration for you, patience, kindness. So tell us what's the secret. What's your yes. guy's secret? <laughs> well, I would say uh, first and foremost, I was really picky about who I dated and I was not going to get married just for the sake of getting married. 
So I just want to start with that. I, okay. I, was, I had my eyes wide open and there were certain things that I was just unwilling to do. And also I was very clear about who I was and what I wanted because I had, I came into the relationship and I had experiences on my own. And so um, I was very upfront about it, about the kind of life I wanted and what I didn't. And then I would say, um, Derek has always been a person that I could have fun with. He is so fun. He's funny. He can always make me laugh. Oh, and, you know, <laughs> that is key because when everything's spilling over and he can still make you laugh, even if it's at an inappropriate time, same oh, yeah. with me. I'm like, okay, we should not be laughing right now. Right? We've got tears and boogies coming out of your nose. And then somehow he's made you laugh. That yep. to me is so important. It, right? it is. It, I mean, it's like, you know, you have to be, I, I've learned this, like, no matter what it is, you have to be able to find the lightness in it. You've got to find something in it. And he is so steady. He is so practical, grounded, patient, all the things you said. And he also lets me be, he just freaking lets me be, you know? Wow. And it's like, I found that that was rare because when I was traveling solo and I'd meet someone, they'd be like, oh, you shouldn't be traveling. You shouldn't do this. Immediately, they'd start telling me what I couldn't do and I shouldn't do. And right. And he just he never tried to clip my wings. And I think, you know, he just let me be. And I, I, I think, too, you're so right. Like a lot of people, I think they assume because. I know what I want in my life and I know what I want in my business. And I, I just do stuff. I just lead. I don't, I don't know what to tell you. I have no other way of being. I just do it. Yep. I think they also think that uh, women like this, that they just sort of mop the floor with their husbands. And, and that, like, that's not even a possibility with Derek. Like Derek is Same. so strong. Right. And he's so his own person. And actually I love when he, he leads in everything else and he figures everything else out because it's like, I know the things where I have a clear vision, but also I don't have to be in charge of everything. And it feels so good when I'm not, you know, a hundred percent and that you can count on somebody, you know, my whole thing is, you know, he's got your back and yes. you know, is, is well as put together as you are. And as amazing as you are, you you've got bad days, you've got bad moments, you've got life experiences that take you out at the knees and he's there to pick it up pick you up, but also pick up the business and who else can you trust as much as you can trust him. And of course, you know, we all have, you know, people that work with us and we, we trust immensely, but he's really got your back. And to your point, that is so rare. So uh, number one is the fact that he does not clip your wings. Number two, love the fact that he can make you laugh. So important in because there are hard times regardless of whatever you say you know there are hard times can we talk a little bit about struggles that you know we all have what would you say would was one of your major obstacles or struggles that was tough for you to overcome mm -hmm. I would say the most difficult thing that I've ever been through is having a full-term stillbirth. I was 40 years old, you know, I went the full pregnancy, uh, went into labor, gave birth uh, at home, delivered her myself, and she was not breathing. She was sleeping, and I, and I knew she was gone, and I, I knew, I just knew, you know, I knew her feet would never be here, and that, you know, the, the journey of that 
that all of the layers, the grief, the, you know, the relationships, keeping the business together and figuring out how I felt about myself, how I felt about life, uh, all of that, you know, it took me down a lot of different roads, a lot of deep places. I, first and foremost, Adriana, uh, my deepest uh, love, admiration, and respect for you. And can you share your daughter's name? Mm, her name was Nina. Nina. And for sharing yours and Nina's story. Your story is so incredibly important to share because so many people have gone through this. And it's mystifying to me as a woman. Now, I have personally not gone through that, but it's mystifying why they're not talking about it and they being the people that have gone through this and you've got the strength now uh and I'm sure maybe it wasn't always like this but I'd love for you to share but uh to talk about it so other women know that they're not alone that this happens it's not their fault you know all the guilt and everything that I'm 100% certain that you know you have had to uh cross and go through uh when can I ask you what was her birth date? Uh, January 9th, 2018. So we were actually getting wow. ready to announce the publishing division of our company. Um, the business was at the peak. My boys were very little and I was on social media. So the whole, you know, I say the whole world, our whole world watched me be pregnant. They were all waiting for the news, right? And so when this happened, I remember sitting with Derek and I knew I had to make a decision because I had clients who were waiting. I, you know, everyone is just waiting for the news. All of my family, uh, my parents were getting ready to fly over. Uh, we were in, in Europe at the time. My parents were getting ready to fly over. And so I had to make a lot of phone calls and I made the decision maybe two days after she was born to go on social media and to say I had a stillbirth. And I made the decision from the get-go, I was going to talk about it openly. So I talked about it at whatever stage I was at from the very beginning. And I, what I noticed was the same thing. Uh, in fact, most women who have shared this experience with me have told me that the doctors, midwives, everyone told them, please don't talk about it. Don't tell anyone, just get pregnant again. And I think there's there's a few different reasons why women stay silent. Number one, they feel completely responsible. If something happens to the baby in my belly, who else's fault could it be but mine? I also think that there's a lot of, um, in our society, we don't like to talk about death. I mean, we'd rather do anything. We'd like, there's nothing more we'd rather avoid. Right. And so 100%. when a child dies, when a baby dies, it makes us so uncomfortable. It makes us question things. It's out of order. We don't know what to do with it. We don't know what to say. And so it just leads to a lot of ugh, uncomfortable situations, awkward moments. And so I think women they're carrying a lot of guilt and they want to spare everyone else the pain and the the lack of you know we don't know what to do so we just shut our mouths about it we stay and silent yep stay silent. and and you didn't and that is so profound because you know so often people turn to dr google as i like to call it or the internet and sometimes not their friends and family, because like you said, 
people don't know how to react. What do you say? There, there's really not much you can say. Um, you know, death is a part of life. Uh, the death of a child uh, is hopefully not, and but sometimes is. And you were able to talk about it in a way that I guarantee you has touched so many more people than you even know. Decide, besides people that have contacted you, I know people have read it, gone back to it, looked at your videos and have really been able to connect with you because I think in times with times like in struggle, but also with mental health or anything else that's really tough, people just want to not feel like they're alone. And I think you've created that for people. With I, I sure hope so. Because oh. that that is the thing. You know, I, I really want mothers and fathers and grandparents and siblings who've been through this to know, you know, it's not their fault and they're not alone. They didn't do anything wrong. And also it it does get better. It can get better. You know, I are, remember Are you um, doing better? Because I am. I thank goodness. I can you know. never imagine what you've gone through. I watched my mother bury my my adult, I mean her child, my sister, and it was she did it with such beauty and such grace. And I I don't you know, I say that when I as I said, I've got tears in my eyes just thinking about what you've gone through and how you would be able to do something like that. And I know you and I have shared this before. How did you do it? And you just said, I just did. And with the love and support, but wow, Adriana, wow. I think that it's just amazing what you do as a human being and the strength that you show. Maybe you didn't always feel like that. I'm sure there was times maybe you couldn't get out of bed or, you know, you were just floating through life, trying not to feel all the things you were feeling, but you did it. Mm -hmm. I am so grateful that you are able to share your experience uh, and share with others uh, the birth of Nina and the, the loss and the grief that you felt. What do you think were the things that kind of got you through? Maybe it's not one thing. Maybe it's a, a few little things. What do you feel that got you through the really tough moments? I would say, first off, it was just day-to-day -day life. My boys were so little when this happened. And so their little faces popping up at 5 a.m. every morning saying, we want mama oatmeal or crepes. It pulled me out of bed. It got me focused on doing something other than reliving and rethinking what had happened. And I think that led to me finding a, a rhythm in my business, getting back to work, you know, going on dates with Derek, going on daily walks. And I think it was really those unsexy day-to-day -day things that actually helped me focus on something. I'm a person, I need something to focus on and I needed to focus on something other than why did this happen and how can I undo it? Because that wasn't gonna happen. So I, that's what I would say is is really just being committed. I, I Because of those two little boys, I didn't have a choice. I couldn't stay in bed all day. And that was the best thing that ever happened to me. That's amazing. And do you feel that sharing your story was also a way that you were able to heal? And perhaps knowing, I, I know you, 
you're very, you want to heal others, you want to help others. Do you feel that, because what I hear from a lot of people is that when they're in their darkest moments, if you, you know, give to others and serve others, I feel like that might've been a big part of your healing. What do you think? Yeah, absolutely. When I would go online and I'd share a story, it was absolutely therapeutic for me. Um, that was the only therapy I had, right? I, I didn't hire a therapist. I didn't join a grief group. I didn't do any of that. I didn't want to. And I'll be totally honest about that. I, I was invited to some Facebook groups early on for grieving moms who'd been through the same thing I did. And I, I realized pretty early on that I just, I couldn't function in those circles. I saw women who, you know, unfortunately they weren't processing it well. You know, their life had come to a stop they were heavily medicated and, and grief is the sort of thing that it will take over when allowed. And I think what I decided is to pour my heart out into writing, to be as raw and real as I could, and to just keep putting one foot in front of the other. And, you know, the thing that I learned is when, one day I had to face myself, I had to get really honest about what I was dealing with, what I was up against. And what I realized is it was either me or grief. I was either going to give grief uh, the rest of my days. I was going to give them the relationship I had with Derek and the boys. I was going to give up my joy. I was going to give up my possibilities, potential, whatever was still within me, or I wasn't. And I just decided that was too big of a price to pay. And I wow. was not going to do it. So you made a conscious decision that this was not going to take you out. This isn't the way you wanted to be remembered. And it's most definitely not the way you wanted your daughter to be remembered either. It, right? It's true. It, it's so true. And I think that this is a, a wrestling match that a lot of parents go through is there. I think there's a lot of guilt about living after your child has died. And what I realized is I had already lost my daughter. Nothing was going to change that, but I sure as heck wasn't going to die with her. And uh, yes, and lose your boys and your husband. And the other big thing for me that's standing out is imagine the lessons that you're teaching those young boys. Imagine their truth because nobody's getting out of here alive. You know, at the end of the day, two things guaranteed in life and that's birth and death and a lot of stuff in between. But uh, you're teaching them it's not a terrible, tragic I mean, there, there is grief, there's sadness, et cetera, for the people that are left on the earth to deal with their memory. But you're teaching those boys like, hey, it's okay to feel sad or mad or ask the questions of why and maybe not get it. But you also do have to go on because you're leading by example. Those boys, wow, they probably have you on a pedestal already. That's well, amazing. I, I just, I, you know, I, I just love them to pieces and it, it's true and one of the things that I really noticed is for the first four years I I was really in the arena with grief and um, grief is a real son of a gun but what I found is is in that last few months is I really came face to face with death and death is a completely different thing than grief interesting I found death to be very gentle and very still and when I came face to face with death, I heard, there's nothing to fear. Wow. There's nothing to fear. And so I think, you know, oftentimes this is why it's easy to get caught in the grief loop 
because sure. we really don't want to face fear, fear or, or death. Death is such an unknown, mysterious thing in our society. In our and culture. nobody can tell you about it. Nobody can tell you about it. You know, you've got, you've got your faith or your spirituality and, you know, you hope that that's enough. And, and a lot of times it's not. And wow, that is awesome. I hope you, sounds like you knocked the, you know what, out of grief and out of death and like you, well, out of grief, but like facing death, you've, you've put a different twist on it for yourself and for your family and for others. And that is beautiful. That is beautiful, Adriana. Thank you. I think that's going to help a lot of people because people, I feel that a lot of times they're within, you know, they kind of learn how they are, how their parents were or their, you know, aunts and their grandparents. And, you know, there's some people, you know, that throw themselves out the coffin or they don't get out of bed or they throw themselves within a bottle or addiction, whatever the case may be. And you're saying, you know, you don't need any of that. Just come to terms with this is going to happen for all of us. And, you know, you, you've just created a different, you've changed the narrative around death and that is profound. So thank you. Thank you for letting me share. I really appreciate you. I have one last question to ask you. If you had a message for all the other aspiring women that are watching you grow your business, raise your children, and be the rock star that you are, do you have a message on International Women's Day for aspiring female entrepreneurs? I want to remind um, every woman to take a pause, to celebrate herself, to give herself more credit than maybe she usually does. Because while there's always another mountain to climb and another goal to achieve and some things that didn't go the way we thought and failures or disappointments, there is so much that you have inside of you, so much that you have accomplished, achieved and overcome. Take a victory lap. Give yourself some credit today. I love that. So focus on the positive, live in gratitude, the way that you obviously role model for very you know, two amazing little boys and the rest of us. That's awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. How can people get a hold of you if they'd like to? Obviously, we're going to have it in our description, but how can they contact you if they wish? Absolutely. They can reach our publishing website at almapublishing.co and they can find me on social media under my full name. I'm always sharing stories there and encouraging them to do the same. I love that. Thank you so much, Adriana. We're definitely going to have you back. Thank you. Thank you for having me. You've been listening to the I Am Unbreakable podcast. Real, authentic, authentic, real life stories of women, women who've become unbreakable. We hope you've enjoyed the show. If you did, make sure to like, rate, and review. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, find us on Instagram at I.AmUnbreakable.